Good day, folks. Well, it's always super challenging coming to uh, bring a word and, you know, search, seek the Lord and be like, what's going to, what do the people, what do the church need to hear? Like, what's going to be encouraging and edifying and build up the church? So I've been on a mission to, you know, over the last week thinking about that. And there's so many different things that you could say, obviously. And um, the more you delve into God's word, the more you see that it's an incredibly rich tapestry where everything weaves together. You know, the, the Lord said that like he is the, the fulfillment of scripture, not just like a couple of verses, you know, that were pro- prophetic scriptures about him that we see in Isaiah and in the Psalms, but like the, the whole narrative of scripture points to Jesus. The whole thing's about him beginning to end. And... Uh, I was kind of like exploring and asking the Lord, like, I need to, I don't really know that much, like, especially when it comes to the Old Testament. And so um, I, uh, someone introduced me to this, like, hip-hop artist, but he's like a full theologian, and he's like studied the gospel for like 10 years, and now he puts it into rap songs. And uh, I used to be into Snoop Doggy Dog, but, <laughs> but now I'm into this guy. So it's like, wow, what a change from Snoop Dogg I could probably wrap some of his lyrics, but I won't. Um, to hearing the gospel, it's like, I, I love that it's like rap, because rap's quite militant, like mm, street, you know, street-wise. Like, and I love that there's that kind of like militancy about defending the gospel, you know. And the thing that really has been speaking to me is about putting to death the misdeeds of the flesh by the Spirit. You know, like we don't live according to the flesh anymore, but there's obviously a temptation to. Like you can be drawn to live according to like the carnal nature. But we're called to be like militant in our like pursuit of the things of the spirit. And the, uh, the, the image of the garden temple. So when we think about Eden, it's like God's design for humanity to like walk with the Lord in intimacy in the garden. Like that was his plan, you know, in the cool of the evening. And there's this intimacy and there's this connection. And God and Adam, they dwell together and they walk together. And his job was to preserve the purity of the temple, of the garden. You know, the, the, the serpent in there was a test. He was supposed to put all things beneath his feet and crush the serpent, crush its head, wasn't he? You know, he was supposed to destroy it. That was a test for him to prove that he was a good guardian of the temple and he was crushing its head. And there's loads of stories in the Bible about head crushing, funnily enough. Like you think of like David when he, when he kills Goliath, boom, a stone crushes his head. You know, and there's a number of those stories. And it's like what like Goliath's sword, what the enemy intended for evil. David t- takes that sword and chops off Goliath's head with it. He chops off Goliath's head with Goliath's sword and carries it back to Jerusalem, as you do. Um, yeah, and so like I've just been ex- like exploring, okay, so, but now we know that as Christians, like God's temple is now in us. His Holy Spirit dwells in us. And there is like, there's the now and the not yet of the kingdom. Like when, when Christ was resurrected, it was like God accepted the sacrifice for our sins, right? That was the evidence that Jesus' sacrifice was enough. After three days, Christ was raised again. 
So all of the sin of humanity and of our failure and our insufficiency and all of our carnal life in the first Adam was put to death and we're raised into newness of life because his resurrection is our resurrection. He died as us and we live through him. And so we've got this beautiful restoration of this intimacy with the Lord that we get to live in. And it's this picture of this temple and this garden. And so I've been like exploring, like, God, what does that look like for me? And so I started looking at um, some things about the garden. So I'm going to read to you from Genesis 2. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden, in the east, where he placed the man he had formed. Out of the ground, the Lord God gave growth to every tree that is pleasing to the eye and good for food. And in the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now a river flowed out of Eden to water the garden. So we know that the tree of life is Christ. And that the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is the law. It's a picture of humanity defining what is good and evil. Humanity being the judge and humanity taking the control and being deceived by the enemy to, dis- to decide what is good and evil. And obviously that plunges them into being expelled from the garden. And they were no longer the guardians of it. They were out. But Christ is the tree of life. And so we are now living beneath the tree of life. And taking that analogy that, that is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who live, I'm like, wow, we're called to be like mini trees of life. Like Christian means little Christ. So in a way, we're, we're like trees of life now, called to bear fruit. And so the more you read into the, the analogy of the, the temple and the garden, the more we see that we're actually called to be a blessing to the earth. And so I'm kind of following that theme of the river and the tree. And jumping to Revelation, the very, from the very start to the very end, In Revelation 22, John sees this vision. Then the angel showed me a river of the water of life, as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the main street of the city. On either side of the river stood a tree of life, bearing 12 kinds of fruit and yielding a fresh crop for each month. And the leaves of the tree are for healing, for the healing of the nations." And so we get this picture of this tree of life and it's a picture of, I think it works on two levels. Well, for me, I've been interpreting it on two levels. Like I'm called to be a tree of life, but also corporately as a church, the family of, the, of God is the tree of life. We're called to be that temple for the whole earth. That's God's plan is through the, for the church. <clears throat> And so when I was thinking about any tree needs that river, doesn't it? That's why the tree and the river are always found together because the, you know, the river flowed out of Eden to water the garden. You know? And then the, the river of life flows through the city and either side of it are the trees. And so immediately I thought of Ezekiel's river. 
again, it's another picture of the same thing. It's like song cycles. You know, we think often in linear, like things are linear, but actually it's like the same story. The Bible is like the same story over and over again in some way. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's like a repetition of the same salvation, the same redemptive thread of God working through to the culmination of Christ. Anyway, so I wanted to read a bit more from the Ezekiel's river. So water, Ezekiel 47, waters from under the temple. Then the man brought me back to the entrance of the temple. And I saw water flowing from under the threshold of the temple toward the east. The water was coming down from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar. Next, he brought me out through the north gate and led me around the outside to the outer gate facing east. And there I saw the water trickling out from the south side. As the man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits and led me through ankle deep water. Then he measured off a thousand cubits and led me through knee deep water. And again, he measured a thousand cubits and led me through waist deep water. Once again, he measured off a thousand cubits, but now it was a river that I could not cross because the water had risen and was deep enough for swimming, a river that could not be crossed on foot. Son of man, do you see this? He asked. Then he led me back to the bank of the river. When I arrived, I saw a great number of trees along both banks of the river. And he said to me, this water flows out to the eastern region and goes down into Arabah. When it empties into the sea, the water there becomes fresh. Wherever the river flows, there will be swarms of living creatures and a great number of fish because it flows there and makes the waters fresh. So wherever the river flows, everything will flourish. I'll pause there for a second. So when he's talking about the sea, geographically that is the Dead Sea. And as I was thinking about that, like, what does it actually look like for that living water to be welling up and flowing out of us and to bringing like the dead things or the old things to, to be bringing life and to be restoring those things? And I think learning how to drink Learning how to receive from God the living water and how to like spend time in his presence so that that river that is flowing from the throne of God, which is in the temple within us, will actually bring life. Because it also talks about how like the salt turns the salt fresh. <clears throat> and I just could see that water as I was like interpreting it in relation to like my, my whole purity and my devotion to God, just seeing that living water flowing through every part of my life and every part of my heart and just bringing life and purity. And again, like if I skip forward a bit, along the banks of the river, fruit trees of all kinds will grow. Their leaves will not wither and their fruit will not fail. Each month they will bear fruit because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will be used for food and their leaves for healing. It's going back to that healing of the nations. So you can see how Genesis sets out God's intention and in Revelation it's like it's restored. And Jesus himself, when he was speaking to the 
Samaritan woman at the well said to her, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a fount of water springing up to eternal life. So what does it look like for us to be those trees? What does it look like for us to be the oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord? Because we know that we abide unto fruitfulness, you know, and no living thing, no fruit tree, no vine can flourish without life-giving water source. And when I, when I was thinking about Ezekiel's river, it's like it started a trickle, and then it was ankle deep, knee deep, waist deep, and then over his head. And I felt like it's almost a picture of like how we can be as Christians, like we know that we have access to like everything of God and like we know his love and but we can be so preoccupied that there's like we we barely dip our toe in you know and then you know some of us are a bit more bold and we'll go in wasty but what if we were just like completely just given over to be just swept away in the Lord and the fruit that that would bring in our lives and consequently through the church into the community because I feel like that's who we're called to be, isn't it? We're called to be the leaves that heal the nations and the fruit-bearing trees in every season. <clears throat> so drink deeply, O oh lovers. I love old Roger Latham, Sarah's dad, always said to me that he only drinks from the top shelf because he only drinks of the spirit. He doesn't drink alcohol. Still haven't got that one sorted out, but... So, practically, what does it look like for us to be drinking that water? What does it look like for us to be a fountain of living water. And, you know, we're, we're called, our lives are called to overflow into the world around us, aren't they? We're called to be, you know, like the, we talked about the, when Carla prophesied earlier, I was like, that is so spot on for the water analogy, but she was using the light analogy. You know, they're all emblems of the Spirit. And just that, we're called to just be like, everywhere we go, just like, poof, just the, the goodness of God, the kindness, the joy, the peace is just washing, is washing over people as they encounter us. Now that's that's the, the, the target, you know. Like I'm not always like that, but that's how I want to be, you know. That's what, what it looks like to grow in Christ. And there's, there's a, uh, a passage from Scripture in 1 Corinthians which talks about Old Testament examples and it talks about this analogy of like the, the, the people in the wilderness and what did the Lord do for them. He, that Moses struck the rock and the water came out and, they were, and it's a symbol of Christ, it says in 1 Corinthians. Shall I read it? Um, 
1 Corinthians 10. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea. In other words, he's saying they're under the glory of God. They've passed through, you know, the waters of uh, the baptism. All were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. All ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ. So again, there's that repetition, like God's been providing. He's been providing the manna from heaven, which is the bread of life for us, you know, and the water, the rock was split, that the water poured out, which is a symbol of Christ. But with most of them, God was not well pleased, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things become our examples, to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted, and do not become idolaters as some were of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Nor let us commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 fell. Nor let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents. Nor complain as some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now all these things happened to them as examples and they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you'll be able to bear it. <clears throat> I think I put that in there just to illustrate that even, you know, we're all can come across that temptation, but it's not, it's not temptation that we can't overcome. Like it's actually common. Like it's, I remember just getting so much breakthrough from realizing that this isn't, greater than I'm able to deal with, you know, but I think that unless you're actually feasting on God, unless you're drinking, unless you're, you know, spending time with the Lord and renewing your mind and like resist, you, you won't have that wellspring of life to defend yourself. Yeah, so to summarize, I feel like the message is to Preserve your life as though it's the temple and it's the garden of God. And to, you know, pr pr protect every, your body from everything that is unclean or that could defile you or cause you to live short of who you're called to live as. As it says in Romans 12, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So, mm. So yeah, that's pretty much what I had to say, folks.
so many different like threads and strands and trails of thought that are in there that hopefully have been communicated reasonably well. But ultimately, the message is for you to be encouraged that you've been transferred from darkness to light as a believer and that you get to abide in the love of God and that as you spend time to drink deeply and to allow him to cleanse every part of your heart and your life, like as Naomi said, like practically it looks like faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so if you're not spending time to be still and to draw away and to take the time to hear his voice, which ironically sounds like many rushing waters, you won't find that, you know, as soon as the word of the Lord comes on any situation, it's like Goliath's sword, like what the enemy intends for bad, he'll turn it around for your good. But it's not until you hear the word of the Lord for that that you know what it is, you know? So, just to finish, I wanted to play a song that uh, Grace was playing in the house the other day, and I was like, oh, I've got to finish the meeting with that song. And I was like, what is that song? And it's called The Temple. And I was like, that's exactly what I'm trying to communicate, you know? So, yeah, I just wanted to remind you that you are the temple of the living God, that you're his holy sanctuary, his dwelling place. And as you abide in him, his living water will spring up within you to become a you know, fountain of life for anyone who comes by. And that your fruit will heal the nations, your leaves will heal the nations, your fruit will not wither. <laughs>